Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie, and this is Before the Box Score. Uh, this is going to be the worst episode you've ever heard in your life because we got one nice thing to say and nothing but bad things to say because I'm Nate Edwards. I hate Mizzou, and I hate you for loving Mizzou. Uh, so, yeah, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm, I'm mostly kidding. We do have some good things to talk about uh, and some deep analysis to get into. Uh, but I'm trying to really stretch into my heel roll that I've recently acquired, and uh, it's still still a little tight. So I'm working out the kinks. BK, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. I didn't realize that we were going to crash the hopes and dreams of every Mizzou fan while we're on this podcast. But hey, I guess that's what we're here for. That's, that's why I'm here. It's in the contract. Uh, I, uh, it's it's what I do. It's what I do best. Uh, but yeah, again, it is July. Well, we're recording July 11th because BK has got to go on vacation. Um uh, so you will be hearing this later on, and I'm sure that means 3,000 different news items will drop between then and when you hear this. But uh, hello from the past. I hope you're having a great time in the future. There are basically just roster management talking stuff that we want to discuss today because it is July 11th. Uh, the next show you hear from us will be, that's going to be SEC Media Days, right? Because two weeks, but yeah, so that's going to be SEC Media Days. That's cool. And then we get into August and we get back into, whew, two pods a week. Get it ready. Everybody <laughs> get ready. Uh, I am not ready yet. I got to limber up. Uh, but point is it's going to be roster management heavy as it mostly is in the off season, but this might be the last time it's going to be roster management heavy. Who knows? Um, so let's dig, let's dig into it and let's get into our first topic. The first thing we want to talk to, to you all about is a roster subtraction. Uh, we did lose a scholarship from the roster. Mr. Cannon York, uh, senior defensive end, uh, walk-on turn scholarship player under Eli Drinkwitz. He's from Lebanon, Missouri. Uh, he actually was getting some playing time last year. Um, but along those last year lines, uh, Cannon also left the team for about three games as he battled uh, about a depression. Uh, if you remember back in the beginning, middle of last year, uh, last year's football season, Dave Matter did a story on it. Excellent read. I would suggest you check it out uh, at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Uh, but Cannon did return for the Tennessee game, and he started to earn more playing time as the year ended. And, I mean, he was going to be in a very crowded defensive line room, but he was a very experienced piece, and we know how Eli Drinkwitz feels about experienced pieces. Well, uh, Cannon is no longer with the team. He put out a post on social media a couple days ago uh, saying that he was walking away from the team from football. Of course, your mind first goes to uh, the demons that he has battled in the past, and you hope that this is for good reasons, either to address an issue uh, or to just focus on other things that make him happy. Um, but as far as the team goes, he is a scholarship down, and we just hope that the best for Cannon, uh, and especially since it was going to be tough for him to crack the rotation. Uh, BK, any other thoughts other than those? I think those are the biggest ones. Do you have the official count right now on what that brings Mizzou to uh, scholarship wise? And I know all of these like publicly available is sometimes different than what they have internally. But where, where's yours I mean, at? I know the, you keep tabs the way I have it right now, it's 41 offensive players, 42 defensive players and four specialists. So that takes you to 87 on the roster currently. OK, so the, I mean, the unfortunate reality is this is necessary for them. You know, um, so I you hate to see it. 
and you don't want to see them need to shed guys from the roster, mm-hmm. but sometimes people get recruited over, and that's what's happened, especially on the defensive line this offseason. I mean, we've talked about this a number of times where they just have too many guys mm-hmm. for, for that position group. I mean, you look, there's only so many snaps to go around, and they have, just when it comes to, like, upperclassmen, nine guys on the roster mm-hmm. right now, and that's not including anybody that is a senior in 2024 or beyond, so... Uh, it's it's tight right now on the defensive line. You've got like 18 guys that are on scholarship, I think, from that group. And unfortunately, this is part of the way that college football goes to be able to improve your roster. Sometimes you got to be able to let other guys move on. So you hope that this is something that ends up working out well for Cannon and you hope that he's able to uh, overcome everything that he's fought in his time at Mizzou. Hey, man, the, the kid played really well for Mizzou and his opportunities, especially given what he came from. So uh, credit to him. Wish him nothing but the best in whatever he ends up doing next. And hopefully Mizzou's defensive line this year performs at the level that we have expected from them in the past Mm -hmm. because they need to improve there. Absolutely. Yeah, Cannon, uh, I think he even said it himself. He's like, I'm an undersized defensive end in the SEC. I should not be here. Uh, But what he measured himself in was effort and heart. Uh, Mizzou was the team that he rooted for since he was a little kid. He dreamed of playing for the Tigers since he was a baby. So this is, you know, check the box, man. Like, goal accomplished. You did it. You dressed as a Missouri Tiger. You saw the field as a Tiger. You saw, you had a start as a Missouri Tiger defensive end. So this is this is a, an accomplishment for him. Um, but now he's going to be going off and doing other things. And I hope that uh, he attacks those other things with the same uh, energy uh, and vigor that he did uh, as a defensive end. So best of luck to Cannon. Now, that's a scholarship down. We did add somebody. Now, granted, it was to a future recruiting class, but Mizzou was able able to secure the verbal commitment from Jamal Roberts. He is a a class of 2023 edition. Uh, He's listed as an athlete, but most of his film is as a running back. Uh, He is a three-star out of St. Louis, Missouri at St. Mary's High School. Listed at 6'200", looks 6'200", and he committed the day before the 4th of July. So... We all know that Jeremiah Love's kind of the key running back target for Missouri right now. He's a high four-star, and he's targeted by everybody in the country. Uh, but if we're, you know, worst-case scenario, Jamal Roberts is going to be, well, so far, is committed to the Tigers, will be on the roster. And he is a little bit bigger back than what Missouri usually takes. Um, BK, I know you saw a little bit of his film. What did you think of what you saw? If you're going, okay, path A is Larry Roundtree, path B is Tyler Beatty slash Elijah Young slash Nathaniel Pete slash basically everybody else on the roster. Uh, He's more on the path A. He's more on the Larry Roundtree uh, lane of the way that he plays, the style of running that he has. Jamal Roberts is a one cut and get up field type of running back. Like you said, he's listed at six foot, 200 pounds are legitimately pretty long and much longer normally than what you would running back position. He runs a little bit upright. Um, He's he's a guy that runs with some power, though. So I think that's where they are looking for him to fit in, because they've got a bunch of guys on the roster right now that can help them in the passing game. They can do all of the outside of the tackles types of run and runs. They need somebody for that inside zone that they like to to run quite a bit of, and he fits into that. So he's probably the guy that you're going to see in that mold. You mentioned Jeremiah Love. I know he was a guy that every Mizzou fan was hoping they would be able to get. He's a stud, man. He is so good. Mm-hmm. That one feels like it has Alabama written all over it. And if you're mm-hmm. a running back and Alabama offers you 
and you have the opportunity to go th- go down there to the factory that is the University of Alabama running back room, hey man, I'm not going to blame anybody if they're going <laughs> to take that opportunity. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and, you know, the, the thing with love, and I think what a lot of Missouri fans are talking themselves into right now is that Missouri was in early on him. He They were one of the first offers that he had back when he was a, a middling three-star, if I remember correctly. Uh, he had he was hurt last year, and that, that's that played right. into it. He, he played through injury much of the season. I actually have a little bit of insight on this recruitment. Ooh, go um, ahead. I, I, I know for sure that he's interested in Mizzou. Like, he, he likes Mizzou. Um, he really enjoyed that up there on campus, but I, I'm just not sure that's where he's going to end up. Like, I, I know mm. that that doesn't bring anybody like any comfort <laughs> that he really, mm. it's kind of like the Caden Green thing, right? Mizzou did a really yeah. good job of recruiting him and ultimately on their official visit, he had to give it serious consideration and it was not easy to say no to Mizzou, but he still picked Oklahoma and he's not going to, it's in the university of Missouri. So in the end, that's all that matters. I think it's probably going to be something similar for Jeremiah Love, where he loved Mizzou. He likes the idea of going there. But then all of these other options came around and he's like, OK, well, uh, but for me, what's the best opportunity? And I think it probably ends up being elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to win them all, um, but you did win with Jamal Roberts, which is it's not nothing. He's a top 25 prospect in the in the state. Um, so that's that's a nice little win there. And, you know, <laughs> Eli Drinkwitz has, has spoiled us with the four stars sometimes, maybe to the point where you see that the guy's rated a three-star, you go, ah, ah, whatever, it's fine. Uh, guess what, y'all? Most most rosters are built with three stars. Like, that's just kind of how it goes. Now, that's that's the that's the numbers, right? The, there's way more three stars than there are four and five stars, but you need these sorts of contributors as well. You don't need to recruit just a roster of blue chippers who are going to leave in three years. You also need some stability. You need some practice players. You need some guys who can grow into the role that are going to stick around and learn the program and be that culture that all coaches talk about. You know, and this this is a guy who can do that. I'm not saying that as a backhanded compliment. I was like, well, he can't see the field in his first year. Maybe he does, but you do need some multi-year players to litter your roster and build some depth. Uh, and if you just do that with with blue chippers, then you know that's a, that's a shorter uh, shorter turnaround as far as uh, recruiting and rebuilding. Um, this guy is a legit athlete. He's I liked you know what what I saw. BK talked about what he saw. He's a little bit different flavor of running back, which is pretty cool. So, you know, this is this is a good addition. And by the way, you still have two four stars in Brett Norfleet and Jabari Johnson. So it's like not like he, recruiting is, is completely dried up. Um, I know three stars aren't as sexy, but, you know, it's still a good addition. And he could very much very much turn into a great running back for the Tigers uh, in a couple of years. So that is where we're at as far as roster additions uh, in the future sense. Let's talk about the misses. Since we're already talking about recruiting, you might have heard, BK already talked about it, Caden Green, who was a long-time Oklahoma lean, basically since he really hit the hit the mainstream as far as uh, popularity with college programs, he was leaning Oklahoma for most of it. Uh, Missouri did give it its best shot, did have to make him think about it, but he did choose the Sooners. And then, of course, earlier in the week, um, Amir Herring out of Michigan Chose to go to Michigan. So those are two blue chip offensive tackles that Missouri was in on that felt pretty good about that they missed on. What's left right now is Logan Reichert and Miles McVeigh as far as offensive tackles go. Uh, recently, it sounds like McVeigh is kind of leaning maybe towards Alabama or somewhere else. Uh, but Reichert is still firmly in the in the conversation here. 
But again, BK, there's two different kind of thoughts on, on recruiting and the drink with staff. And oddly enough, I am the more pessimistic of the two of us. You're taking the negative Nate stance. So I want to let you, uh, I'm going to let you go first. Yeah. So if you are going to be a staff that makes your bones on your recruiting, and that's what the staff is, they are, they are known as good recruiters for a reason. They, they've developed a reputation as being a really good uh, recruiting coaching staff and specifically Eli Drinkwitz, right? That's what he's made his name known as. Well, if you're going to be that guy and you're going to consistently talk about how you're going to be homegrown and the in-state guys are what build you. Well, when you have the best in-state class that Rivals has ever rated in the state of Missouri, you got to get a decent number of those blue chip players. And so far, they've got one. It was Brett Norfleet, who is probably going to Mizzou. We think he's going to Mizzou. We're not sure what the baseball side of things ends up meaning for him. It's kind of like the situation that they had this past year um, with the quarterback out of Georgia. So we'll see. We'll see on Brett Norfleet. But... He's the only one right now that is committed to Missouri. Six of the 12 blue chip talents in the state of Missouri are committed to go elsewhere. You then have Jeremiah Love, who I don't think is going to be at Mizzou. Edric Hill, I, I don't really mm-hmm. think anybody knows what's his future plans. Uh, Marvin Burke seems at mm-hmm. least possible. Mizzou's mm-hmm. in his top group of teams. Joshua Manning and Logan Riker both feel like Mizzou leans. So that would be at a minimum three out of the top 12. We've talked about this before, Nate, where it's the blue chip talent. You don't have to go 12 out of 12, but somewhere around 50% is where they were at the end of the Gary Pinkle era. And that's how they became what they were in 2013 and 2014. And that's where you wanted to be under Eli Drinkwitz. If they get two more guys in this class, that's nowhere close to a 50% rate in terms of hit rate for guys committing to Mizzou. So I, I am a little pessimistic about this class just because when you look at it right now, like your average star rating puts you at 68th in the overall team rankings on rivals. And I'm not suggesting that it matters in mid July. It doesn't really, but you've got two blue chippers on the, in your recruiting class. You've got four guys that are three stars, one, two star kicker, And one of those three stars that you have is a guy who we're not even sure is actually committed to Mizzou and Marquise Johnson. He said his recruitment is still wide open. So we'll see on that one. Another two were guys that they saw at their seven on seven tournaments and said, "Okay, yeah, these are guys that we want. But prior to that on film, they didn't offer them. And that's Jamal Roberts and Nick Deloach. I'm a little I don't know about concern, but skeptical. I think would be the fair way to assess my my situation or my my feelings on this class. I'm skeptical of what this class is ultimately going to be. I think they need to consistently be a top 30 to 35 recruiting team. And I don't know how they get there with what they currently have available to them. I I'm not saying that you are wrong. I think you have some very excellent points, especially when. Yeah, this staff has made its bones on on recruiting. That's 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 the one thing it's got. The offense is boring as hell. The record is a shade under 500. So, yeah, like the way you build excitement, the thing that you do well, the, the thing that keeps people interested is the recruiting, and right now it stinks. Like I get that. You've you've whiffed on a bunch of guys. You're missing out on top 7s, which don't mean a thing by the way. But okay, you missed out on a bunch of top 7s, top 5s. It doesn't feel great. 
and recruiting has felt great under Drinkwitz. So I get it. That, that is accurate. I understand. This goes back to the point that I made last time, though. If you target four blue chip offensive tackles, you're not going to bring in four blue chip offensive tackles. And the caliber of guys that these that, that Mizzou is chasing, you know, we've won a couple of battles against Alabama. Like, forget for uh, Ennis Rakestraw, right? You've won a couple of battles against Oklahoma, uh, Notre Dame. You've won against Tennessee. Like, you've got some pelts of, like, pulling kids away from programs who are perceived to be better than you. And, and you've done that on a singular basis, individual basis, these targets that they're going after, they're all, they all have Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio state, Oklahoma, Florida, like every single one of them's got that entire offer list. And so, you know, these guys are good. And the fact that you feel confident and using resources to chase these guys is something that we haven't been able to say you know, five years ago, we weren't able to say that there's no chance. There was no point in chasing those guys because we knew we couldn't bring them in, but this staff thinks that they can. So losing to elite recruiters like that is going to happen when you are Mizzou and they are Oklahoma or Ohio state or Alabama or Auburn or LSU. That's just going to happen. And again, I understand, but it's got to be at a, at the correct rate. It does. Like that, That's the thing is like, you're absolutely correct in that they are going to lose a, a good portion of these, probably close to 50% of them. Right, like right. regardless, regardless of who the staff is that's in place, you're going to lose a healthy portion of these top end players. Like you'll have a Caden green or um, they, they call him PJ, the mm-hmm. defensive end out of Kansas city. That's, that's what I'm going that's with. Who committed yeah. to Oklahoma. Like you're going to have some of those guys that end up going elsewhere and probably OU or Ohio State, LSU. Those are the types of teams that if you lose to them, so be it. Right. Right. But in this class, when you put such a premium on it and you are a staff that has now been in place for three years. So it's not as if you were behind the eight ball when it came to recruiting these guys. You were at the front end of it. If you end up getting three out of the top 12 and you go even further down, like it, it could be like five of the top 25 in the state of Missouri, all of which are rated three stars or better. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's not ideal. <laughs> it's, it's not what you're looking for as you come into this class. So it, it just makes everything so much harder. Now you have to go out there and later in the game, try to make up ground on players that are not from the state of Missouri. Right. And that just makes it even more difficult. And now you've got other question marks that come into play as to why other players or other teams that are in state there are not recruiting them harder. So it, it just, it kind of goes back to like when Mizzou got into the sec and they started recruiting these kids from Florida. Well, they got a bunch of kids from Florida, but we later learned there were reasons why <laughs> they were able to get those kids out of the Florida right. area. Right. So I, I just think I'm, I am cautiously pessimistic right now about this recruiting class. I hope it turns around for them. But when you're a staff that's known for this and this is what you're going to stake your claim on, man, if you start getting to the place where the recruiting classes look kind of Barry Odomy and this one looks a little Barry Odomy, if we're being honest about it, then we got to say as much, you know, and eventually the results on the field will start to matter when it comes to the recruiting. And I do wonder if that's part of this as well, where Barry, they haven't been good the first two years. Barry gets and one four star a class like <laughs> this is this would be better than Barry. OK, it, like if you get Logan Reichert, Marvin Burks and Brett Norfleet, 
you have equaled the amount of blue chips that Barry Odom brought in in four years. Okay. So I, I understand the sentiment, but like. There were also fewer four stars available to him in state. That's fair. There are more four stars available in this class than there were at any point during the Barry Odom era um, in the state of Missouri. And then like you look back to that Tiger 10, for example, sure. like we, we all thought that was a great class. He ended up with one of them and we were super critical of that staff. They could end up with one or two of these guys. So, I mean, it it's just if I was going to be critical of them, then I also have to be critical of the staff now. Right. I've got to be fair to both. But even if they weren't four stars, even if they weren't blue chips in four classes, he had 13 kids from Missouri. Every single recruiting cycle, he had to go out of state because he could not get the Missouri kids. It was the Barry Odom plan. Go to Michigan, go to Wisconsin, go to South Carolina, go to, you know, go to New Mexico. Cause he could not, he could not pitch Missouri to Missouri kids, 13 Missouri kids in four years. Like, Kurt, you know, you know, why? hey, we've rehashed this a million different times and, you know, I'm right there with you. And this is an individual class as opposed to stacking bad classes right. on one another. And that's what Barry did that ultimately got him fired was he stacked bad class on top of bad class on top of bad class. Right. And then you get a bad team. Yes. This could potentially be one average class yes. where maybe this ends up being the outlier. But the first two classes, Drinkwitz did a his first two full classes. He did a tremendous job of bringing in really high level talent. Right. And I think there were still some Mizzou fans that were skeptical of, okay, you did this at the beginning. What happens when people start seeing what your team does on the field? And that's it. And now that they have, and you've started seeing, Hey, some of the kids that they've recruited that were really high level players aren't seeing the field and they're recruiting over them right now. Mm -hmm. Is that playing into this? My answer is, I don't know, but I do think it is something worth monitoring at this point. It is something that opposing staffs absolutely bring up. They absolutely do it. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, they brought in a bunch of blue chips. You know, how many are seen the field? They absolutely talk about it. The coaches aren't dumb. Okay. Now, I think the, the record over two years plays into that. Like, you know, when you first start off as a coach, you haven't lost a game. You can pitch any vision that you want and then you're not wrong. Cool. Then you get on the field and you go five and five. You're like, okay, there's something there. And then, you know, you get another good class and then six and seven. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, and then it's kind of the same thing. Uh, offense is boring. The defense is bad. Like, okay, what, what am I joining up here? <laughs> but like, you know, take, you know, the top, you know, three of the top 10, Shadavian Bradley, and then uh, PJ, and then uh, Edric Hill, like your defensive lineman. Missouri just brought in like every single transfer yeah. defensive lineman you can think of. Wh- where are you going to fit in? <laughs> like they, some of those guys still have two years to play. Um, you know, Caden Green and, and, and Logan Riker, one, one of those is still in play. You know, Love is going to be tough. Gray was never going to be a Missouri lean. But like, you know, you have your tight end in North Fleet. You don't need Markway. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of different ways you can view this. The record isn't great. The blue chippers aren't playing. And you're missing out on some in-state guys when you've made that your thing and you've made recruiting your thing and now you're not doing it. So all can, of, all can of this we go through good. real quick? Sure. While we're talking about this, I just, since we have the time and there's not a whole lot to talk about yeah. right now, um, let's go back through this. So class of 2020, their top rated players, let's go through the 5.73 stars that they had and whether or not they've had decent amount of playing time or not. Okay. Jay Macklin. Uh, no, no, gone. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye. 
Mitchell Walters mm, hasn't, hasn't seen really the seen the field for any meaningful amount of time. No. JJ Hester transferred away. Brady Cook. He's our boy. Probably going to be starting, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm not. I'm skeptical on Me that too. one. Uh, Montre Edwards. That was a weird situation. And then Chris Abramstrain, who has become Stud. he was at the time a wide receiver. Stud. And now he is your starting nickel corner. Yep. That is the entirety of the five point seven three stars or above in the 2020 well, and, class. And Kevin Billingsley could have made the grades. So there you go. There you go. Uh, in 2021, Tyler Macon. Mm-hmm. He's our guy. Travion Ford. At <laughs> uh, some point. <laughs> but not now. Not now. Dalen Carnell. At uh, some point. Not now. Kyron Montgomery. That's a little TBD. He got Injured, hurt last yeah. year. Kind of unfair. Yeah. Uh, Dominic Lovett has seen the field. Good. Makai Wingo was tremendous. Yes. Oh, but transferred. <laughs> Taj Butts. God yeah. only knows what happened there. I can't explain it. Uh, Zach Lovett, no. Unclear. Tyler Hibbler hasn't seen the field. Yeah. Arden Walker kind of uh, saw the field. He was interesting, but and, only against G5s. And Jadarius Perkins was bye bye. a weird situation as yeah. well. So now we're at 2022. Mm-hmm. And these are the guys that just got on campus, and it's impossible to say. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I'm saying is we just went through every 5.73 star or above that committed to Mizzou over the past couple of years. And man, there's like five of them that have contributed in a meaningful way so far. Mm-hmm. And if I'm, like you said, an opposing coach, man, that's my selling point. I, I'm looking at these kids and saying to them, well, you could go there and they can sell you on how great it's going to be to play for the home school. But are you actually going to play? Because I can show you a number of players on this list that I've got right here that went there, were the home state kid or were coming from out of state and believed they would get a op- better opportunity there. And they're not playing. So I think that's something that definitely is is at least worth taking into consideration. Absolutely. It's also July 11th. Kids don't sign until December. So that's one True. thing to keep in mind. Also, if you miss them the first time, portal their butts back to you. <laughs> Transfer portal is the great equalizer. <laughs> I do wonder, by the way, that that's a really interesting point. I do wonder if you're like Caden Green, right? Mm-hmm. And you say, you know what? Mizzou's always going to be an option for me. Well, I'm not yeah. sure if Oklahoma is ever going to be an option sure. for me after this, yeah. you know, and like he's a big time recruit. Don't get me wrong. He he probably could end up elsewhere if he wanted to. But Mizzou's always going to be a fallback option for him where if he decided after a year or two, hey, Oklahoma's just not it's not working out for me. I, he doesn't like it or whatever. The system doesn't fit him. He's not getting playing time, whatever it might be. He'll be able to transfer back to Mizzou. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure he would be able to go to Oklahoma. That is a really so interesting think, point. Holy cow. Like. If you play, uh, oh God, what's the PC version of that? Uh, kiss, Mary kill. Is that the PC version? <laughs> like bleep, marry or kill. <laughs> like you want to kiss Oklahoma. You're not always going to get that shot. Missouri is the one you marry, right? It's safe. Yeah. It's easy. Uh, Kansas is the one you want to kill. Um, yeah. So, I mean that I, I was always talked about the portal cause it's like, all right, the good ones portal up, the bad ones portal down. But like, you know, Mookie Cooper made his way back when he couldn't crack the rotation at Ohio state. Uh, you know, why not have some of these other guys, these homegrown guys, you know, if you're Drinkwitz and this staff and they're, you know, either you don't have the money to bring them in or you don't have the roster to bring them in and you go, you know, I can't do that. Yeah. Check in a year from now. (laughs) Like you still got their number. They're still going to read your text. Like just stay in contact. And how are you, how's your playing time? How's your team doing? And like, it's, it's an opportunity, man. The portal's the equalizer. 
Yeah, it changes everything about the way that recruiting works, but it also changes the way that your in-state kids get on camp or on, on the field. That's right. So that's very true. So look, recruiting is a developing thing. I think we're all freaking out because it is the one thing we got to point to and say, Hey, you know, we're not so bad because we still got this. And and hmm. so, you know, it, it stinks when you miss out on a bunch of guys and you don't make the cut for some, but it's recruiting is the long game and you always have the portal as a fallback. So there you go. Recruiting is selling hope even when there isn't a whole lot of it on the field. And this year, Mizzou's over-under in Vegas is like four. Yeah, it's not so. great. <laughs> the hope of, hey, here's this incoming recruiting class. At least we've got that to look forward to. When you don't have it, that's when things look really bleak. Yeah, no, I get that. Speaking of bleak, you want to talk about the 2022 football schedule? <laughs> that was a terrible, sad transition. I didn't mean it that way. Um I did finish my my 2022 Bleak for who for Mizzou or the opponents? Oh, take that! <laughs> um, certainly for Louisiana Tech, I'll tell you that uh, the 2022 opponent preview series is done. I previewed all 12 teams. Very glad I am done with that. Uh, I have a piece going up tomorrow because again, I said it's 8:30 on a Monday. Uh, you will be hearing this on a Thursday, so you've probably already read it. But uh, I looked at the kind of the numbers behind. Uh, the 13 team sample. So Missouri plus it's 12 regular season opponents. And uh, I ranked them out just so you could see what it looked like versus uh, you know, five-year recruiting rankings, five-year SP plus uh, ratings, returning production. Um, and then of course the five-year SP plus uh, and what, what goes into the rankings for this year. It's really interesting stuff. Uh, Missouri ends up kind of where you expect it to be. As far as recruiting rankings go, if you take the 13-team sample set, which is the 12 regular season opponents plus Missouri, uh, Missouri is eighth in five-year recruiting, but it is one of two teams whose recruiting has actually improved over that time frame by a significant amount. Vanderbilt is the other one, curiously enough. Um, if you look at returning production, Tennessee is 17th in the country and first on the schedule, but Missouri is fifth uh, at 67% of their uh, production from last year coming back. If you look at the five-year SP plus ratings, believe it or not, Missouri's fourth, but they are also one of two teams who has regressed by 30, by 30 spots in the SP plus Vanderbilt being the other one. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting uh, conundrum right there. Uh, and of course, Missouri is ranked 54th heading into the season, uh, which is like ninth on the 13 team sample. BK, I want to tell you something that I found really, really interesting and I want to get your opinion on it. I looked at the, head coaches for each school that Missouri is playing. And I broke them out by number the, 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 the tenure that they have. So what year are they going into? Are they going into their ninth year, or their seventh year or whatever? BK over there's eight teams on Missouri's schedule who has a coach who's been at their school for less than two years, less than two years. It's Brian Harson at Auburn, Clark Lee at Vandy, Shane Beamer at South Carolina, Josh Heupel at Tennessee. They're all entering their second year. And then Sonny Cumbie at Louisiana Tech, Keith Patterson at Abilene Christian, Billy Napier at Florida, and Jerry Kill at New Mexico State. BK, if Missouri beats... I forgot Jerry Kill's at New Mexico I, State. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> if Missouri beats every single team that has a coach entering their second year or less, they will go eight and four. Now, I'm not saying that just because you're at a school for two years means you're bad. What I am saying is that a coach in their first year is taking over a team that's probably bad or regressed, and the second year you don't always have your ducks in a row. 
I can't think of another time Missouri has faced this. I didn't do the research, but like how rare is it to have a, co- a, a schedule when eight of the 12 teams are someone who's been there for less than two years, that's gotta be like an oddity. Like a, the first time it's ever happened. Right. I, I would have to imagine it's becoming more common sure. now just because college football uh, administration administrators are so much um, less forgiving in terms of how long they're willing to stick with a coach. So who are the four teams that have it's Georgia, Kentucky, uh, Stoops is in his ninth year. Kirby smarts in his seventh year, Chris Kleiman at Kansas state's in his fourth year. And then Sam Pittman. Oh really? It's already year four. Wow. And Sam Pittman at Arkansas is third year, just like drink. Okay. Yeah. I mean, when, when you look at it that way, I, I do understand where you're coming from. And that helps because like you should be on similar footing in terms of the, the life cycle of your program mm-hmm. with those other teams. I just like Tennessee is so it's much so more talented than, than Missouri is right yeah. now. And I mean, we all watched that game last year. It was hard to say that they're on similar spots <laughs> in their life cycle. Yeah. And I understand that Tennessee is always like overrated and overhyped but compared to this current version of this mizzou team it's going to be tough in rocky top to be able to feel good about that one Um, but otherwise i mean it i do think that's part of what if you are a mizzou fan that's optimistic going into the season i think that's why Mm -hmm. like you look at some of these peer programs or the the programs that are in similar spots right now like i don't know what auburn's going to be this year they could be a dumpster fire by week four yeah I think that's or right. they could be rolling, you know, like they, they've got enough talent on the roster that they could be playing much better than Mizzou is at that point in time. It could go either direction. And honestly, neither would be particularly surprising, <laughs> although I tend to lean a little bit more on the dumpster fire side. <laughs> Same. Um, I think Florida has a grown up that's their head coach now. And I think <laughs> that that counts for something. Sure. So I, I tend to view them as being in a better spot than they were previously. I don't know what to make of South Carolina. Like you specifically look at what they have at quarterback right now. That dude might be a Heisman candidate this year and he might be benched by week three. So I I don't know, you know, like there are just so many of these teams that are so erratic in like the Delta, if you will, Mm -hmm. from like the ceiling to the floor is so wide Mm -hmm. on what they could be that what they're going to be almost determines how I think Mizzou's going to finish the season more so than what I think Mizzou's going to be. Because I I know this might sound weird, but I feel like we have a pretty good idea of what Mizzou's going to be this year. I just don't know how that plays up against some of these other teams that they're going up against. Yeah. I mean, Louisiana Tech, Abilene Christian, New Mexico State, you're going to beat those teams anyway. Or let me rephrase. You should beat those teams anyway, whether they have a first year coach or a 10th year coach. Okay. Like you, you are Missouri. You should be winning those games. So that doesn't really matter. Florida. They've got a massive loss of production from last year. Now they return their quarterback who probably should be playing. Including Tyron Hopper. Ha ha ha. Take that. You stupid Gators. (laughs) Um, so, I mean, Florida is 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 really, really telling their fans to just be patient. This isn't going to be a good year. It doesn't really mean much. It's still Florida, but they have lost a lot, and they're not bringing a lot in. So, who knows? It is in Gainesville, but who knows? You know, the teams that have the, the highest tenure, like Kansas State uh, and, and Kentucky um, and, and, and Georgia, like, those were always going to be tough games anyway. It doesn't really matter how long the coach has been there. 
But again, yeah, if you're, if you're grasping at things to be positive about, I think that's a big one. The other one is that thanks to the fact that Desiree Reed Francois got us out of that idiotic middle Tennessee road trip and swapped it in for Louisiana tech, Missouri's got seven home games and five road games. When your home games are seven and five, again, easier said than done. But if you're looking for things to be positive, if you're looking for reasons to be positive, seven home games and eight of the coaches that you're going against having less than two years of tenure, it's an interesting thing to look at. And it's something you can point to as like, hey, good or bad, Missouri, Missouri's program is established for the most part, minus the defense. Um and so it might be some like some stability or you know what like intangible you can point to to say that it gives them a leg up heading in the game. You never know until the, the ball gets kicked off, but it's the offseason still, so we can still point to that and go, eh, maybe something fun happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's probably the way to look at it. Is just like it, it's it's super interesting, and I think it is telling of where college football is nowadays, where it's like. It's almost the microwave idea, right? Hey, if it doesn't work within three years, let's move on and see if somebody else can. Mm -hmm. And if they don't work within two to three years, we're going to move on to the next guy and maybe he can catch lightning in a bottle. Mm -hmm. And then you just keep on churning and hoping that the next guy is going to be your guy that you you catch lightning in a bottle. He stays there for another two years (laughs) and then ends up getting the bigger job and you're back into the same cycle once again. Mm -hmm. That's what college football has become. I think overall it's led to a lot of other conversations that we could have about maybe the diminishing of the sport and the meaning of the regular season and all of these different things. Sure, but sure. that's not for this particular <laughs> podcast. Um, it, it's going to lead to some certainly interesting and uh, potentially more meaningful games, especially against teams like Auburn or Florida or South Carolina than what you otherwise would expect given the talent on this, the talent discrepancy in those games. Yeah. I am very excited. I love the off season because you can like really explore some interesting topics, but I, I am ready for it to be done because, you know, you, you work yourself into a lather over, you know, things here or there, disrespect or, you know, things that, that get it wrong or you don't understand it, the team, you know, you don't, you don't understand what we really have. And like, oh, that's fun for a little bit, but you know. The good news is that between recruiting and like spring practice and then the coaches conferences and then media days, like it's kind of a, just a a continuous cycle of college football. So that is cool, but you got to have the games to play so you can see exactly where you stand and and know exactly what you have. And and then either hope for next year or enjoy the, enjoy Hmm. the season that you're in. But uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, You know, BK, do you have anything, uh, any parting shots for us? I don't think so, man. Um, I, I'm very curious to see how the rest of this recruiting cycle goes for Mizzou because they they need to improve what they currently have available to them. But I, I think it's coming. I hope it's coming. I'm just skeptical right now. Yeah. No, I get that. Well, BK is off on vacation, so you're not going to hear from him. He's going to be having fun. I'm going to be off in San Diego for a bachelor party. I will probably die in Tijuana. So, you know, RIP me. (laughs) Um, But assuming that I don't die, uh, I will be back. But that's going to be the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. Uh, You can leave a comment or you can rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Nate G. Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. And, of course, you can follow the Rock and Flagship at Rock M Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U.